blood that I've shed for you is to remind you of the what covenant? The old covenant? No, the new covenant, which is in my blood. Hebrews is a book of encouragement. It's a book of encouragement to a group of believers who were Jewish. We don't know exactly where it was written. In fact, we don't even know who wrote it for sure. Uh, some people say Paul, although there's a lot of reasons to think somebody else did. Remember how Paul started his letters, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Well, boy, we don't see that in Hebrews, do we? All of a sudden, we see a theological treatise in the first four verses. It's different. So we're just going to say we don't know for sure who wrote it. But we do know that it was God-inspired. And I want to tell you that it was probably written around 65 to 67 A.D. Shirley, good morning. Come on in. 65 to 67 A.D., because temple worship was still in process, but the temple had not been destroyed yet. Per persecution was beginning for the Jewish Christians, but it hadn't spread completely. But they were discouraged, and they were discouraged because they saw what was happening, and they were wondering to themselves, what do we do with Jesus as and our Jewish heritage? Many of them were saying to themselves, we need to get rid of, uh, spend less time on Jesus. Because if we do that, it might help us to avoid persecution. Have you ever heard of Qumran? Like the Qumran caves down by the Dead Sea. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you heard about that? Well, in Qumran, there was a sect of Jewish Christians who decided that the angels were more important than Jesus. So they actually worshiped the angels and not Jesus. And this was the direction that these Jewish Christians were headed. And the book of Hebrews is to say, no, because of Jesus, things are better. We want to encourage you to stick with Jesus. So, number one, Hebrews teaches that Christians have that which is better in every way. Go to the next slide. When you look back at the first uh, couple verses, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Many times and in various ways. What I want to do next week is go back to the Old Testament and look at some of the ways that God spoke to those that believed and those that followed him and to examine that and compare how God spoke to them and to how he speaks to us today. And you see some of those pictures up there. You see the burning bush, Jacob's ladder, uh, Mount Sinai, Abraham. Uh, God spoke pretty clear to Jonah, didn't he? That's a whale of a story, folks. Everybody awake yet? Okay, okay. And uh, Sodom and Gomorrah there. It looks like an alien space attack. You know, that must have been really bad. But you see, God spoke, and he spoke very clearly in the Old Testament. He speaks very clearly today. But what does that look like, and how does God speak then, and how does God speak now? We'll talk about that a little bit next week. Number two. 
this may be the most important point, and you'll see as we go through these next few weeks. Hebrews features Jesus on every page. The book of Hebrews features Jesus on every page. Now, you see where my series title is, Living Faith? So the question is, okay, if your series is about living faith, how does that fit in with the fact that Jesus is on every page? And shouldn't it be Jesus in the title or something like that? Well, I could have done that, but we're going to realize that Jesus, the person, and the concept of faith are inseparable. Did I say that right? Without Jesus, we don't have faith. Now, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, you can take your Bibles and turn to that, or you can read with me here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter or finisher of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Next point on your sermon notes. My faith begins and ends with Jesus. My faith begins and ends with Jesus. Now, why do I think that's the most important thing that as you grasp it? Roy, it may take you a month or two for it to soak in. But as you rattle this one around and realize that faith begins and ends with Jesus, all of a sudden you realize that the confidence that you have in your possessions, the things that you have, nice car, nice computer, nice home, uh, good business, um, uh, great family, all these things, that's okay. But who is the ultimate source of our faith? It's got to be Jesus. And it's not a thing, and it's not a place, but it's a person. My faith begins and it ends with Jesus. Um, what does that mean? That means that uh, you're going to have to rethink a lot of things in your life maybe. Wow. I, I'm really confident about this job that I have. It's going to take me through to retirement and uh, things are going to be great. It may be, but is that the ultimate source of your faith or is it Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to learn in, in Hebrews, how much Jesus plays a part in being the ultimate, the author and the finisher of our faith. Number three, Hebrews was written to give strength to struggling believers. Hi, Mom. You can come up here if you want. Okay. Now that I paid attention to you, okay, it's too late, right? 
I love to see my mom here. By the way, we're still having lunch with dad and mom. Thank you for keeping up your prayers for them. Number three, Hebrews was written to give strength to struggling believers. Remember, I told you that uh, the Jewish Christians, wherever this was written, there were a lot of different communities that it could have been written to. And after it was written, it was spread around to different communities so that other Jewish Christians could read it. They were facing increasing persecution. And they were tempted to say, we better not talk about Jesus so much. Maybe we need to go another direction so that we can get away from some of this persecution. So the book of Hebrews is saying, don't do that because Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Now, I told you that uh, Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. There are three types of believers. There are three types of people that it was written to. Um, those who knew Jesus and were thinking of going back to their Jewish traditions, those who didn't know Jesus but were following their Jewish friends and relatives. Now, you understand the difference there. These are people that were saying, yeah, I intellectually believe in Jesus, but I haven't put my trust in him yet. But I'm with you. I see what's happening there. And, you know, we have a lot of those folks in the church that maybe have been there for years, but they have never put their trust in Jesus. But they're there intellectually, but not spiritually. And then number three, those who didn't know Jesus, but were wondering why Jesus was important. Those were a little bit more on the outside looking in going, there's something about this. I want to know more. So Hebrews was written to all three types of people. Number four, Hebrews teaches the real difference between having Christ as Savior and Christ as priest. Now, Jesus Christ is our high priest. He's also our Savior, but there's a big difference there. We need to understand what that difference is. Let's, see, let's talk about a priest first. A priest has access to Jesus. A priest identifies himself with Jesus. We're talking about an earthly priest here. A priest represents Jesus before others. A priest has access to Jesus. A priest identifies himself with Jesus. And a priest represents Jesus before others. Now, Jesus is our high priest because Jesus has access to God the Father. Jesus identifies himself with God the Father and Jesus represents God the Father before others. You see how Jesus is our high priest. Now, Jesus is our Savior as well as our high priest because Jesus is not only the high priest, but he takes it one step further. Keep going. Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. Let's go back and look at that again. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets of many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Here we go. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the what? 
exact representation of his being. What? Sustaining all things by his powerful word. In other words, Jesus is not only my high priest and my representative before God the Father, but Jesus is God himself. Jesus is the exact representation of God and his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So we believe in one God. One God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can separate them. You can put them together. But they think the same thoughts. They do the same things. They're on the same page all the time. They're always looking out for us. Some people say God the Father is a creator. Jesus, his son, is our savior. And the Holy Spirit is our comforter that lives with us. All three of them together, one God with three functions. Boy, that's a simple way to look at it. Now, do I have that totally figured out myself? No. But can God do things that I, can, I can't figure out? Yes. He wouldn't be God if he didn't do things that I had struggles with. On earth, we can come up with some examples that are close. Like our board, we have five guys, but we're all on the same page. Okay? We're different, but we're thinking the same things. And we're praying together. We're planning together. We're working together. We're of the same mind together. And we want the best for our church family here. We want to see you grow. We love you. So there's a lot of similarities there. But we're five different guys. Jesus is not only my high priest representing me before God the Father, but as my Savior, he needs to be God himself. That's why this is so important in Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. Jesus doesn't just identify with God. He is God, the exact representation of his being. That is why he has the power to be my Savior as well. He is God, the exact representation of his being. This is why he has the power to be my Savior as well. Now, we're talking more about sharing our faith and encouraging in Sunday school. We talked about it. Don is talking about it from the book of Hebrews, our book of Acts, and uh, the Great Commission and how that spread out. In fact, Don, you talked about those communities where it spread out. One of these communities was a recipient of the book of Hebrews. We're not sure which one, but the book of Hebrews was written to one of these communities, the outlying communities that had spread out from Jerusalem, the Jews who were going, what do we do next? And this is why Hebrews was written. It was written to them. Keep going, David. Under tips for sharing Jesus, this is one of the things I'm going to try to do each week. I want you to be sharing your faith. And uh, this is just something that happened to me last week on, on Tuesday. A friend named Mike, uh, um, I saw him over at Erickson's Tires. And uh, he said, hey, I got three questions for you on forgiveness, atonement, and the Immaculate Conception. I go, huh? I thought we were just going to have a cup of coffee, you know. But you need to be ready when people ask you questions like that. 
And one of the questions Mike asked, he said, why is Christianity so important? Because there are so many religions that are so much older than Christianity. Now, don't move to the next one yet, David. I'm going to ask you that. Why? What do you, how do you answer somebody who says, uh, I, I, yeah, Christianity is great, but there's so many other religions that are so much older and more with such a greater foundation, and so I, I'm good with just a little bit of everything. Somebody help me out here. I'm, I'm listening. What was that? Our God is alive. Great answer. These religions have to do with uh, um, founders who are in graves, right? But Jesus is still alive. What's another answer? Okay, I'm going to help you out here. I want you to look in your Bibles at Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, and there's an answer in there, our scripture for today. And see if you can find that and tell me what it is. that? No, I'm sorry. I can't. It's hard for me to hear, I guess, with my hearing aid. Say that one more time. He provided purification for sins, but that still wouldn't help me with Mike totally because Mike's saying, hey, there's an older religion, and uh, so that must be more important than Christianity, and that's what I'm trying to get, get through there. That talks about how um, it gives a single path that is so much easier to understand than all these multiple paths we have. Well, Jack, that's great, but there were other religions that are older than that, and this is something, a new addition, and that's where he's going. And I'm going, how do I answer that? Great. Well, uh, did you have your hand up or? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, let me help you out here. You're, you're all heading in a good direction here. But what Mike was, was saying is that Christianity be, can't be the be-all and end-all because it's a newer religion. And that's the area. Ron, good morning. That's, that's where we're going. Now, Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. Let's read that again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by... Oh, no, that's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and what's that next part right there? And through whom also he made the universe? Wait a minute. So that means that Jesus was a part of the creation process. And Jesus is the Christ. And I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus Christ. So my answer to Mike was this. Keep going, David. Mike says there's a lot of older religions. My answer is, no, there aren't. 
There isn't anything older than Christianity because I believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus was there before the foundation of the world and he was a part of the creation process. And that's in Hebrews 1. And in Ephesians 1, it also says that I was chosen before the foundation of the, of the earth. So there is no way that there's a religion older than Christianity because Jesus goes back before the foundation of the world. Does that make sense? So both Hebrews 1 and Ephesians 1. In fact, take your Bibles. Turn to Ephesians 1 if you want to see that. When we studied Ephesians, this was such an impacting uh, section for me. In Ephesians 1, starting with verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in, sight, in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his, as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Going down to verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be the, for the praise of his glory. So what I'm seeing from Ephesians 1 and from Hebrews 1, and I know there are other passages that we see as we study through scripture and explore together, is that there is no religion older than Christianity because Jesus was functioning along with God the Father and the Holy Spirit before the creation of the world and that any religion that came after Adam and Eve and the creation of the world is some kind of a copy and some kind of a substandard copy of that original relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that relationship is still alive and these other religions are dead because they were only copies. I don't think I could say that again. But that's, that's uh, I, I could, but you understand what I'm saying. That does make Christianity very important. And that's the main point. And I told Mike, I said, Mike, if you don't believe the Bible, then I can't convince you because we don't have the same foundation. But the Bible tells me that before the foundation of the world, Jesus is. And my faith goes back a long way. Okay, where are we here? Number five, Hebrews proves that we can never understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. And that we can never understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. In the book of Hebrews, the Old Testament is referenced 63 times. 63 times. So as we study Hebrews together, we're going to be learning a lot about the Old Testament as well and, and pulling that together, just like in our Loving Truth series, as we went from book to book to see the big picture of God's plan for us. The book of 
Leviticus, for example. How many of you love reading through Leviticus and you do that all the time for, for exciting, exhilarating, invigorating reading? I don't see any hands up there. I struggle too. But you have to realize that the book of Leviticus talks about the sacrifices that needed to be made because Jesus hadn't come yet. And these were the outward expressions of love that God told the Israelites, you need to do this because you love me, because you want to obey me, and because you want to follow me, and this is what you need to do. And did you know that in Leviticus, the, the tabernacle and the temple, the holy of holies and the, the, uh, the exact dimensions. Remember, did you read in there, this one is 46 and a half cubits, and then you go up here and you go, why do I want to read that? Well, one reason you may want to read it is that it's actually copying something that's already in heaven. Now, that's interesting because we go, we don't know much about heaven, but actually Leviticus is taking what's in heaven and bringing it down on earth, and God gave man a blueprint of what he wanted him to do, and it looks like what we have in heaven already. So if you want to get ready for going to heaven and knowing what the temple looks like up there, read Leviticus, okay? It still may put you to sleep, but there's more interesting things in there than we give it credit for. And what the book of Hebrews is saying that all these sacrifices and all this building and all these measurements, there's something better, and it's Jesus. This is what Hebrews is about. Number six, Hebrews gives us a telescope to focus on Jesus instead of a microscope to focus on our own weaknesses. I didn't get the S on weaknesses. Hebrews gives us a telescope to focus on Jesus instead of a microscope to focus on our own weaknesses. That is why Hebrews 1 to 1 to 4 is all about the person of Jesus and not the problems of the day. Remember how I told you that uh, Jesus is on, our, on every page in Hebrews and how I want that to start soaking in because you see, we talk about problems at home, problems in the church, problems in our family, problems in our work. And we talk about having more confidence in ourselves and in others when it's really about Jesus and not about each of those individual problems that we face. And how do we have confidence to face them? Because we get out from under this microscope looking at my problems, and we look through that telescope and we see the glory of Jesus and say, I have confidence in the person of Jesus to handle my problems today. And without that, I don't have a prayer. That's what Hebrews is all about. That's why things are better. Because we have Jesus. And Jesus says, you have and I love you. Back to Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. 
I'm going to read it one more time. Now I have a little more meaning. You can read it with me. You can see some of the things we just talked about, those six points as I read it to you. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his who? His son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also what? He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. We're going to talk more about the angels in the next few weeks too because remember how I said that there was a certain sect of Jewish Christians that started worshiping the angels instead of Jesus? Well, there's a, there's a beginning shot right there at that practice. It's not about the angel. It's about Jesus. Angels are special, but Jesus is our Savior. So this is the beginning of telling them, don't go that direction. We have a new covenant. And that new covenant is through the blood of Jesus. I'd like those who are serving communion to come forward at this time. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, to his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Wayne, would you pray for the bread, please?
Jesus said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. John, would you lead us in prayer for the cup? theme of Hebrews, things are getting better. Jesus was telling his disciples right before he was going to his death, this is the new covenant in my blood. Things are getting better, guys. Drink ye all of it. Everything we've done today comes because of his amazing grace. Let's all stand together before Don comes up for announcements and sing Amazing Grace.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now. 